the Action Network podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. the 10 throwing end zone spectacular catch they're saying it's a catch touchdown you see most gamblers when they go to gamble they go to win oh my god that's incredible big bank small bank i like to make money all right that is the ultimate kibosh you want to bet <laughs> and we are underway what is up, everybody, and welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. This is your Week 11 NFL betting preview. I am your host, Chris Raybon, and we're going to be breaking down our favorite totals, teasers, underdogs, and, of course, crack open our weekly Sunday six-pack of Against the Spread bets with the help of my co-host, the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, Stucky Stuck. What's going on? What's up, brother? Just uh, riding away. It was a good week. I think I went four and two. Also, I had a Rams position that I didn't buy all the way out of. I should have. I bought it before the Stafford news. I, I should have known that I'm not going to win a game with backup quarterback, especially Colt McCoy. So I should have bought all the way out. Um, but it was another profitable week. Uh, terrible, terrible call on the Browns. I was really shocked at how poorly they played coming off the bye. But turned another week of profit in, and uh, we're on to the next. Yes, sir. And – you know, it's interesting about the Browns. At this point, Miami's just taking it two teams. So, you know, I wouldn't expect the Browns to always, you know, come out that poorly. I think they actually may have a chance to bounce back this week. Interesting kind of game. We'll talk about maybe some snow there, but week 11. And before we move on here, a quick programming note about our podcast schedule for next week, which is Thanksgiving week, from our audio guy, Matt Mitchell. All right. Thanks a lot, Chris. All right, for next week, we won't have any new episodes out next Thursday or Friday for the holiday. But as we've done the last five football seasons, our experts and our whole production team will work around the clock to deliver the episodes you guys love by Wednesday morning, November 23rd, so that you guys can spit in the face of those Puritan pilgrims and gamble your way through every minute of Thanksgiving, just like everybody here will. For this podcast, the Action Network podcast, On Monday, we'll have our normal NFL recap episode. On Tuesday, we'll have our NFL player projections with Rayvon and Kerner. Plus, we'll have our NFL best bets episode with Brendan Glasheen and his crew. That'll be out Tuesday evening. And then on Wednesday morning, we'll have this show, Rayvon and Stucky's NFL Week 12 betting preview. So you'll get that a day early. Same thing goes for our other podcasts, shows like Big Bets on Campus and Buckets, No new episodes Thursday and Friday next week, but we'll pack everything we possibly can into Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday morning to get you guys ready for a wonderful holiday week. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and good luck. All right. Thanks, Matt. Time to talk some Thursday night football, so let's get it started with the Tennessee Titans at the Green Bay Packers. It's not the best game, but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet Thursday Night Football. Titans are three-point underdogs. In Lambeau, the total is 41 and stuck. I am pretty sure that you're going to be betting against the Titans here. You bet. Yes, yeah, uh, Green Bay <laughs> came through for me last week. I'm now nine and zero on Packers games this year. Woo! I love them. This is 
a Titans team that we could go on and on about, you know, how fortunate they've been. I mean, by the way, they have on the season, you know, what are they? They're six and three. They have wins over Washington with Wentz. And again, they should have lost. Wentz got stopped at the goal line. Indianapolis twice got outplayed in both. Houston deserved win. Denver, a little bit of fluky win. And the Raiders, those are their wins this year. Those teams are combined 15, 30, and two. It's also a short week, less prep for their script, which has been great all season. And it's, you know, they're going on the road. Packers are staying home. The Packers are the better team. Thursday night usually favors the team in that circumstance. And Titans, 30th in EPA per play and success rate after the first quarter. Their defense has a ton of injuries. The this is their sense of urgency for the Packers here. Pretty much, you know, every game is like a must win for them. Titans are like sitting comfy in first place in that division by like four games if you include the tiebreaker. So I think how that matters is like a guy like Jeffrey Simmons, maybe he sits out instead of plays on a short week. They're already missing a ton of defenders. So I I like what I saw from the Packers last week. Um, Made some schematic changes on the defensive side of the ball. A lot of effort just there in a must win. They're still getting, they're still, they've still been extremely unlucky. More fourth down misses. That's coming. Um, but Christian Watson finally hitting some explosive plays, maybe opens up that offense. And yeah, the Titans last week, like they're not just going to keep, look, I got to give, you got to give a ton of credit to Vrabel who always overperforms Ryan Stonehouse, by the way, the punter basically won him that game last week. He was amazing. He's going to be an all pro rookie potentially. And uh, kids got just a, a bomb leg, but they're not going to keep having these things happen to them. Like Wentz at the one the Washington doesn't get in. They get a long touchdown last week because two Broncos defenders run into each other, uh, leaving someone wide open on a flea flicker. Like just everything is going their way. That's not going to last forever. And this is arguably the unluckiest team in the NFL versus the luckiest. Just look at fourth downs alone. Fourth downs, the Titans are averaging 1.4 EPA per play on fourth downs. They're about 65%. The Packers are negative one and a half. They've lost like 35 points, expected points on fourth downs. And by the way, that shouldn't happen for a team that's like third in the NFL in rushing success rate with a Hall of Fame quarterback. Just tons of fluky things on fourth downs, which swing games for teams, for both of these teams that don't usually, aren't going to build a lot of margin. Same thing goes with Tennessee in the, in the red zone. Um, they're not going to keep scoring at an 80% clip with a worse offensive line, one of the worst wide receiver groups in the NFL. So, yeah, I played the pack early, would play up to a juice three. I wouldn't lay anything, which is what it's at now. Uh, I wouldn't lay anything more than that just because this is probably going to be a low-scoring game. Field goal is just so important. Packers aren't a type of team that's going to win with margin. But I think the spot sets up for Green Bay here to uh, get some bounces and build on what they did last week um, against a banged-up Tennessee defense yeah you know i've definitely had my doubts about the packers i think this is a game where they're going to have to kind of show you know if they're if they're okay like if their offense is okay i think they have to show it in this spot because last week great win against the cowboys but you know that was that was Kristen watson kind of taking over that game aaron Rodgers, i think completed 10 passes for like 100 yards to everyone else, they didn't they didn't throw very much, but they did run for I think it was two hundred like over two hundred yards. Jones and Dylan combined. So this Titans defense is 
one of the best in the league against the run. So I don't think they're going to be able to get away with that same kind of script in this one. So we're going to have to see, you know, with Watson, that passing offense kind of step it up and be consistent, I think, for, you know, closer to four quarters than they have been in the past. So uh, I'll be looking yeah, but, forward but to that But they played, one. like, I mean, Tennessee, yeah, their, their run defense numbers are good. Also, like, Simmons might not play. They have a ton of guys on IR now on defense. I think Dupree is out. You know, Landry's already out. Um, Cunningham's on IR. I think Simmons is going to, like, sit. And they've faced a cake schedule of rush offenses. Uh, I mean, look, they played Kansas City, who can't run it. Denver, who can't run it. Houston, Indianapolis, whose offensive line is a mess. Washington, Vegas, Buffalo, who can't run it. Um, like, those are their last seven games. Overall, too, the Titans have played one of the easiest schedules. The NFL Packers have played one of the tougher ones, which I think plays into this as well. So I don't. I think that those Titans' run defense numbers are uh, a little inflated. They're they're definitely getting pressure. Um, their defensive line that's been a key to their defense. But uh, offensively, I just can't see them moving the ball consistently here. Henry's going to get his a little bit, but Green Bay basically played like last week. They played the Titans on steroids. And I just think that they're overly due for some good breaks. And Tennessee is on the opposite. Yeah. I like green Bay in the spot by the time of your listeners, if it's over three, so I think the Packers are taking a ton of sharp money here. Tennessee is really good in the first quarter. Um, now they have reduced time here for, to build their script, but if Tennessee jumps out, you might, you know, if, if it's over three, Maybe you want a money line parlay it with like the Ravens. I think it's safe. But if not, you can wait to see if Tennessee jumps out. And what we've seen all year long is this Tennessee offense is incapable of scoring after the first quarter. And I mean, I think they went the first five weeks of the year without scoring in the fourth quarter. So I think it would be uh, a good opportunity to then jump in on Green Bay under a field goal if Tennessee. Uh, you know, even if they go up three nothing or or seven nothing early, yeah, Tennessee looks like they're going to kick the tires on Josh Lambeau, who is finally getting another shot after that Urban Meyer debacle last year. So that'll be interesting. Um, it's 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 a interesting battle of the trends. You have Rodgers at Lambeau as a favorite of six points or less, 74 percent against the spread, and then you have Vrabel on the other side as a dog of a field goal or more 20 and seven also 74 percent against the spread so should be a good one i i lean to the under as well i think the titans defense teams yeah to the the slowest actually 31 and 32 in situation neutral pace i I do think the titans uh, are going to be able to have more success defensively than the cowboys did last week against the packers all right let's jump into the sunday six pack for week number 11. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday Six Pack. You are up first, 3927. We got. Yeah, it's, we basically can call it. Uh, <laughs> nah, it's never over. Just like any, just like a, a Titans bet, never over. Let's just uh, – all that matters is just keep feeding winners. and yes, weeks. Uh, that's all that matters to me. For my first pick of the Week 11 Sunday six-pack, I'm going with the Dallas Cowboys minus one and a half 
at the Minnesota Vikings. This my job was easy here. I said last week on the podcast. Hopefully, you asked, do, do you think the Packers are going to win outright? I said, yeah, I think the Packers are actually going to win outright. I said, hopefully, we get the Packers to win outright, and Josh Allen sits, and the Vikings win. Then we'll get a spot to back to fade the Vikings at home with the Cowboys. Well, Josh Allen played. The Vikings somehow still pulled off that win. The second luckiest win per post-game win probability since 2014. The first was the Dolphins over the Ravens earlier this year. Bills had a 99.3% post-game win expectancy, which looks at the entirety of the game. It's not like at one point in time. I know people on Twitter brought up, like, oh, the Browns against the Jets. Like, yeah, they had a 99.9% win probability at one point. But if you look at the totality of the game and what happened and how it played out, I think the Vikings recovered like six fumbles in the game. So, yeah, the Vikings' luck tour continued last week. They've won seven straight now, all by one possession. I tried to find reasons to think that the Vikings aren't just average. And it's basically, I mean, you could throw it up to Justin Jefferson, which is way above average uh, play call. He's amazing. By the way, he's dealing with a toe injury, so we'll see if he's limited at all. But um, everywhere you look, they're they're average. I mean, let's look at DVOA. They're 17th. Similar, like my power ratings have them around a league average team. Dallas, by the way, is fourth, and they've played six games with Cooper Rush. Uh, if you remove turnovers, EPA per play, Minnesota's 16th on offense. Their defense is 17th. And by the way, Dallas's defense, the biggest jump of any team this year, if you remove turnovers. Last year, their defense was extremely reliant on turnovers. You remove turnovers, they go from a top five defense to a top five defense. They are just good across the board. You look at estimated wins. On Football Outsiders, Dallas is 7.7. With Cooper Rush starting six games, that's third in the NFL. Minnesota's 4.5, 17th. I mean, you look at yards per play, they are 16th. How about yards per play allowed? They're 28th. Negative 0.5 net yards per play. Dallas is positive 0.4. This is also a great situational spot. You have much more urgency for Dallas sitting in third place in division, coming off a loss. Minnesota coming off that just crazy win in the game of the year. Game was amazing, by the way. I still can't believe that that catch that Jefferson made that catch. Doesn't seem possible just from the laws of physics, but great spot here for Dallas to rebound. And then just from a matchup perspective and other factors, Minnesota still has some turnover regression coming. They're plus eight, second in the league. They've recovered 75% of their own fumbles, 65% of opponent fumbles. Cousins has been lucky in the turnover department under pressure. Speaking of pressure, Dallas second in the NFL, 29.6% pressure rate. Vikings are 30th in pressure rate allowed. And one of the better tackles in the NFL that not a lot of people are talking about, Darisal, who's going to be a stud at left tackle for years to come. He's in concussion protocol. He can't play. That's bad news for Minnesota, uh, who comes in more banged up, I think. Here's an area. Smith's a little nicked up. Their secondary is banged up. Dallas, too, but it looks like they think Anthony Brown's going to play at corner, which would help since they had some injuries there as well. But Cousins under pressure this year has been bad. 5.1 yards per attempt, 28th out of 30 qualified quarterbacks. He's just ahead of Zach Wilson. Um Seven big-time throws, nine turn-worthy plays, yet he has eight touchdowns and two interceptions under pressure. Again, been lucky. Now, some of that is you can just throw it out to Justin Jefferson, and he's going to compensate for some bad throws. But when I look at this game, it's just good spot and I think a good matchup. I also think Dallas will be able to move the ball here. Minnesota's defense is very suspect. They are dead last in the NFL in drive success rate. But overall, I think these offenses are fairly similar. 
Now, it'll be a big loss if Minnesota loses their left tackle in this particular matchup. But offenses are fairly similar. Um, but the Dallas defense is significantly better, and the Dallas special teams are significantly better. Uh, Taking into account the situation, the matchup, the injuries, um, I uh, I have Dallas here as a three-point favorite. I was just – all I wanted was anything under three. One and a half is fine with me. I think Dallas wins this game. And uh, the Vikings luck maybe comes to an end, but I like this for various other reasons as well. What a just ridiculously lucky turn of events for the Vikings. And yeah, I can't disagree here. All right. For my first pick and the second overall of the week 11 Sunday six pack presented by FanDuel, I'm going with the Indianapolis Colts plus six and a half at home against the Philadelphia Eagles. And, you know, I like what I saw out of the Colts uh, a week ago. I think they have a few things working for them in this spot in particular. The first is that Jeff Saturday, what did he do when he take over? He, when he took over, he reinstalls Matt Ryan, and they go back to you know running the football effectively with Jonathan Taylor. Well, now you're going to face this Eagles defense that is 28th, in DVOA against the run. They're a bottom five run defense. I mean, we saw what Damian Pierce did uh, to them a couple of weeks ago. We saw what the commanders tandem did to them on Monday night. And this defense was on the field for 83 snaps in that game against Washington. And now they have to go on a short week to another team that wants to play ball control, run the football, you know, Fletcher Cox. I think he played 70 snaps. He was even saying like, wow, like this is, this is, this is a lot for me. So I think it's a bad spot for Philly from that perspective. But I also think, you know, this Colts team, obviously everyone was kind of down and out on them. They they were going through a rough spot and everyone thought they were tanking, but it's obvious that they are not tanking. And when you get a new coach, what you get a lot of times is some schematic changes that kind of go under the radar. You know, Saturday being an offensive line coach, that was one of the major issues with this Indianapolis offense was their line. And, you know, it's obviously just one week, but they were a lot better uh, than I've seen them all season in that game against the Raiders. And, you know, the numbers back it up. If you look at PFF's grading, Ryan Kelly, best grade since week one. Nelson, highest grade of the year. Uh, the left tackle, Rainman, highest uh, pass blocking grade of the year. And the first time he didn't allow pressure since week one. Prize, the right guard, 83.2 run blocking grade, his best of the year. So, Overall, four pressures, zero sacks allowed for that offensive line. And most importantly, when you're facing this Eagle defense, who you want to be able to run on, Jonathan Taylor, 83 yards before contact in that game, 3.8 yards on average per carry before first contact. So that tells me that this offensive line can get it done here in another good matchup. And then flipping it over, we know what Indianapolis is going to do on defense. They still have that Gus Bradley system, and they're still playing a lot of zone coverage. Well, Philadelphia going up against this matchup, A.J. Brown, he destroys man coverage, but 1.5 yards per route against zone is kind of average. And you lost one of your best players uh, against zone coverage in Dallas Goddard, the tight end who's going to be out. He was averaging 2.1 yards per route uh, against zone. So, I think Philadelphia just has struggled to cover tight ends. It's a right, problem. exactly. As as teams that 
play almost nonstop zone tend to do. So I just think it's a tough spot for Philadelphia uh, on the short week, given what transpired in that Monday night game. And then, you know, given the matchup at hand and, you know, you kind of have to throw out a lot of what we saw with the Colts. And, but remember coming into the year, we just thought, okay, this is like a middling team that could compete with the, what would probably be a middling Titans team for that division. And, you know, now you're getting seven points at home because, you know, the Eagles are, you know, just came off their first loss of the season. Everyone's like, of course they're going to bounce back. But again, I just think it's a tough spot and you cannot really go wrong with, underdogs especially it's not a super high total game i think the total is 44 as we record this this season underdogs by more than a field goal with a total of 47 or less 46 and 19 against the spread 71 percent so like the the number like the matchup like the spot like pretty much everything about this one i think it's going to be a lot closer that people think it. I think Saturday is gonna, uh, you know, continue to kind of make make people eat their words who uh, who tried to slander him after he took the job. So I was decided between what to go first, the Colts or the Cowboys, and I went with the Cowboys. <laughs> and then I was just like, I hope that you don't take the Colts because that was gonna be my clear second. Ah, uh, I um, mean, you know me though. Even if I am gonna take a favorite, it will probably be my last pick. Like I'm, I don't think I've ever taken a favorite first. Yeah, but you don't you you don't like the Colts. That's why I thought you know, you're not a Colts guy. <laughs> hey, I I adjust to new information. I adjust to new information. I know. I just thought I would know? have an extra pick before I could get to the Colts, which I was incorrect for. Yeah, but I'm, I love this. This is one of my first bets of the week. Okay. That I made once uh, this line reopened uh, after the Monday night game, and yeah, I mean, you said it. The first of all, the Eagles have been getting extremely lucky this year. They were plus sixteen turnover margin going into that game last week people like oh they got unlucky well yeah they're due to not get every bounce in every game and they were plus 16 the vikings are their second have the second best turnover plus eight they were eight better than the next best team they they played no one as everyone knows like the only their best team they played is the vikings so one of the luckiest teams in the nfl um so yeah they the, the eagles are still a good team i think this loss will serve them well in the long run but not in the short run all those plays on defense, their defense is going to be gassed. They're also mm-hmm. missing Maddox, really important yeah. slot corner. And Campbell's um, coming on strong, like, uh, you know, kind of out of nowhere. But his last three games, at least seven catches and a touchdown. Last three games with Matt Ryan, that is. So yeah. that's kind of an under-the-radar thing. Campbell's actually been Matt Ryan's go-to guy. Yep. Yeah, and uh, the Eagles' run defense without Jordan Davis is just significantly worse. With him on the field, they're only allowing 3.87 yards per carry without 5.1. The hmm. massive drop. Yeah, but the rest of their defense is on the field forever. I think the Colts have new belief now. Like they're in that division. Some injuries for the Eagles. Even AJ Brown tweaked mm-hmm. his ankle. We don't know how healthy he is. Um, so yeah, I love love the Colts here. Wouldn't be shocked if uh they won outright. Now that Saturday has kind of given them like some rejuvenation. This is their first home game with him. And I think it's going to be, you know, pretty, pretty crazy for, you know, the, people are going to be hyped out there. So I could see a few more bounces going the Colts way instead of the the Eagles this week. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the Colts, look, they, it kind of felt like everything under Reich and, you know, they were firing their offensive coordinators. And I mean, look, they lost by one of the commanders, crazy catch 
by McLaurin. They did a draw. Easily could have won that game. They outplayed the Titans twice, and they just got tightened. They could have a couple more wins here, and they would be right around where we thought, like an average team. Mm-hmm. And I don't think an average team at home rejuvenated with a good matchup in a good spot, catching a team that's exhausted with some injuries off a short week, should be catching uh, six or more points, especially in today's scoring environment with a total this low. All right, for my second pick in the third overall of the Week 11 Sunday six-pack, I'm going with the Los Angeles Chargers plus five and a half at Fandle. And, you know, if it's at five and a half when you're listening to this, again, wait. Five's a dead number. Six is fairly key. Maybe you get some public money on the Chiefs ahead of uh, this matchup since it's in prime time. You got a lot of chasers, but this line is coming down because, number one, I think it was too high. But number two, there's potential positive injury news for the Chargers who could get back one of Mike Williams or Keenan Allen. Maybe both. And I think they'll be kind of a pipe dream, but we'll see. That's the plan. I mean, yeah. who knows if it's going to come to fruition, but both of them uh, are practicing, I believe. Practicing, yeah. Yep, but, so, I mean, that's a that's a step in the right direction. Yeah, we'll see. But Ke- Keenan Allen is really key, and with all the slants and short passes that Lombardi calls, it's just he's that, that security blanket, that third down, and that rock that would just be a huge bump to Justin Herbert. But this line is crazy. Even, like, even if one or both are out, I mean, the Chargers were plus three and a half at Kansas City earlier this season. I bet the Chargers, the Chargers covered, the Chargers could have won, arguably should have won. They've had injuries now. You have to downgrade them. But now they're, you know, they were I mean, earlier in the week, they're, they're plus seven, plus six and a half, plus six. Now they're catching over a field goal more at home. They were just plus seven on the road at San Fran, who I think is right there with Kansas City for my power ratings. And that was on the road. San Fran a little below, but that was on the road, and they didn't have any receivers for that game. So, uh, yeah, I, this is this line is way too high. Also, matchup wise, it's good matchup for the Chargers. That's why they always these games are always close. You know, Herbert is four and one against the spread against the Chiefs, two and three straight up. His losses were by three, three, and six in overtime. He has not trailed by more than three at the end of regulation in any of his five meetings with the Chiefs. Also, when you want to fade Mahomes. You want to do it uh, as a favorite of over a field goal. He's 28-31-1 and one against the spread, including the postseason in his career. As a favorite of three or less or an underdog, don't, you don't really want to get in the habit of fading. He's 17-5-1 and one against the spread. This Chiefs team just at times struggles to get margin because they don't have a great defense. If the Chiefs want to come out here and run it, then you're fine with it. Okay. Mahomes, you want to just hand it off all game? They'll, they'll live with that. That's how they covered against the Niners. <laughs> yep. The Chiefs. Look, they might have some potential injuries at receiver. Their offensive line isn't playing as well as I had projected. And their numbers are outrageously good, especially on offense. And But I think the results are a bit skewed. They played the Cardinals in week one, right, who had a practice squad defense, and they put up 50. They played a 49ers defense that was missing about six or seven starters. You know, they got to play a Titan, the Titans with a backup quarterback. So they have a, a couple results on their schedule that I think are skewing some of their results. But basically, this is just too many points for the Chargers. Yeah, give me Los Angeles here all day. Yeah, I was thinking about that one uh, as well. We've talked about it. this Charger team just knows how to stay in games. It's been just a miserable season for Herbert in terms of you know what he's had at his disposal. If he gets, if he just gets one of those guys back, like you said, I think it could be night and day. Yeah, you could have a situation where the Chiefs are without Juju, Smith-Schuster, McCole Hardman 
as well. So you could kind of flip it to where all of a sudden the Chiefs could be the most injured team at the scope position. So, uh, yeah, home dog. Another one of those dogs by more than a field goal, which I've just been absolutely crushing this season. You know, games are just a little bit lower scoring. Games are just closer. And and the Chargers have always played that way. And, you know, if you do get into trouble, Brandon Staley will bail you out. He's going to be aggressive. You know what was surprising to me? The Chargers haven't gone for two yet this year. Like, I could not believe that when I saw that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, all right, for my second pick and the fourth overall of the Week 11 Sunday Six Pack presented by FanDuel, I am going with the Pittsburgh Steelers plus four and a half at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. And this is basically a bet on TJ Watt. Uh, a bet on the Bengals still missing Jamar Chase, which, you know, that he's on crutches earlier in the week. Don't think he's going to be back. And, and a bet on Tomlin in this spot. What? But I think Chase, you know, I know it didn't, you know, it hurt them against the Browns and then didn't really matter against the Panthers. But even with the bye, I still think it's a big loss because you look at, you know, Chase against Pittsburgh, uh, that connection with him and Burrow, 17 to 24, 233 yards, three touchdowns, 15 first downs, 9.7 yards in attempt, 12.5% touchdown rate. Everyone else just 50 to 70 for 467 and three scores. So just 6.7 yards in attempt uh, and the touchdown rate is cut into a third. So I think that's going to be tough. And, you know, at this Steeler defense, when they have TJ Watt, they can play in these you know, 13-10 kind of games. I mean, we saw it last week with the Saints, you know, just a low-scoring battle. It's a the second division game. So I think it it's going to kind of fit that script again. And this Steeler team just continues to show up. They didn't close as an underdog last week against the Saints. But so Tomlin, that would have improved Tomlin to 16 16- three and three against the spread as a home dog. But since they close as a one point favorite, he's still 15, three and three uh, against the spread as a home dog, 48 and 26 with three pushes, 65% as a dog in in all spots in his career. Somebody got to be all in for everybody to be all in. Uh, Still no Chidobe Awuzie, obviously for the, the Bengals. So, you know, Pickens, I think could potentially get going in this matchup. Give me the Steelers. I just think hard-fought game, uh, anything over a field goal, uh, I'll take it at home. Yeah, don't mind the spot, don't mind the divisional dog. I think this would cl- classify as a rah-rah spot. I mean, this is the Steelers. You know, they're playing the ri- one of the division rivals. If they have any prayer, which they're not, but, you know. Hey, never count out game. Tomlin. Never uh, count out Mike. Let the greatest of all time look at your work. They have to win this game against Cincy. And, yeah, TJ Watt being back is massive. You hope that Fitzpatrick can go as well. But Watt, just on the field versus off, it's a yard per play difference. It's massive. And then the havoc that he can cause. I mean, earlier this season against the Bengals, when we were Hmm. on them, he tackled Burrow and Mixon at the point of the handoff, took them both down, and then the next play picked Burrow off, like, that's what he could do to a game. He's like the um, Justin Jefferson of defensive players. Like just yeah. ridiculous plays that you just like, you don't even know what to say anymore. It's like, wow. Yeah, and the Cincy offensive line, they'll have games where they can just get wrecked. 
Uh, so I, I can't hate the hate the spot. Uh, oh, let me let me add one thing. Uh, let me add one thing. Uh, and by the way, mentioned this last week, but worth bringing up again. The Steelers have played the toughest schedule in the National Football League this year. And last week against the Saints was the first time they didn't play a team uh, in the top 13 in DVOA. And what happens, they get a 10-point win. So, you know, it wasn't pretty. But just remember that. This Steeler team, you know, as bad as they've looked at times, it's been a really, really tough uh, schedule. And this Bengals team is a team that, They've already shown they could beat, and, and Chase caught 10 balls for 129 in that first matchup. So, you know, he kind of single-handedly kept them around when, when Burrow was struggling. So it, it's going to be a tough spot. Down to four at a lot of books. So get that four and a half if you can, but uh, still like it at anything over a field goal. Yeah. All right, for my third pick in the fifth overall of the Week 11 Sunday six-pack, I'm going with the Houston Texans plus three and a half at – home against the Washington commanders, your commies. Uh, <laughs> this is, this is, I'm not going to sit here and hype the Texans, although they played better the past two weeks covered against Philly score was closer than maybe the, uh, the, the game was actually closer than maybe the final score indicates. And then last week they thoroughly outplayed the giants thoroughly. I mean, they averaged over six yards per play. They just got into the red zone and could not score over and over again. More Giants luck. Um, but they were they were the better team statistically that day. Now they come home. They get Washington off a short week off of a massive win. This is such a flat spot going out of conference to Houston. And basically, I just think that it's too many points. And if I can get over a field goal in today's scoring environment in a great spot, now we're asking Tyler Heineke to win with margin, to win by more than three. This is the same Washington team that went on the road to Indianapolis when they were a corpse and made Sam Ellinger look competent, like he was throwing all over the field. This, like, we got to slow the, like, Washington is better, improved, better with Heineke than with Wentz. But now we're talking about laying three and a half on the road. I think this is the peak of the market value in a great spot for Houston uh, so give me the Texans. I just think that this line should be like closer to two. You're going to give me over the the magic three would buy this up to minus 120, minus 125. I think it's that important in this game. And uh, yeah, give me, give me the Texans at home. Good spot and uh good number. Yeah. I, I make it around two as well. I have not pulled the trigger. Uh, the one thing that does give me pause from a matchup perspective is, the commanders do play the run well, and I think that's what makes this Texan offense go is, is Damian Pierce. Now, he's good enough to beat any run defense, which, you know, is kind of the counterpoint to that, but I uh, would rather not have them facing, you know, a top five uh, run defense. But, yeah, you're getting more than a field goal, and that's been, it's been the magic number, in, especially in these kind of low-scoring games. And, you know, Texans should have Brandon Cooks back for a full complement of snaps. I know he went to the locker room in that last one and he obviously sat out the one before uh can't hate on it because of what happened on monday against the eagles you're getting here you're getting an extra point over the three like i think this line would have been two and a half if the if washington lost by seven to ten against the eagles now and if the and if the texans won as well now the texans outplayed the giants should have won but didn't they got unlucky and washington let's be honest they, you know, they averaged four yards per play and they had a great game plan 
They got a bunch of bounces and a bunch of calls that the Eagles had coming, but they were outgained by over a yard and a half per play. They were just able to control the clock the entire game. I don't think anything really fundamentally changed with Washington. That point difference between two and a half and three and a half, massive. And that's what I think we're getting here because of what happened on Monday. All right, where are you going? For my third and final pick, the sixth overall of the Week 11 Sunday Six Pack presented by FanDuel, I am going with the Las Vegas Raiders plus two and a half at the Denver Broncos. And this is another one of these spots where kind of like earlier in the year, just tested Aaron Rodgers and that Packer offense. Let's test this Broncos offense. Let's see. Let's see if they can score enough points because they haven't been able to. And when you look at this Raider team, they are pretty much the only offense that had any semblance of success uh, for an entire game against this Bronco D. They put up a season-high 32 points on Denver in the first meeting, a season-high 385 yards. Denver barely giving up 300 in any other game, 385 uh, for the Raiders in that one, six scoring drives, just four punts, uh, along with the end of game drive. And Vegas was able to run it, which I think they need to get back to 38 times for 212 yards. This Bronco D is still a 20th in DVOA against the run. And you look at that matchup and the success that the Raiders had. And then you look at who from that game is not going to be on the field for Denver this time around. First of all, Randy Gregory, 46 snaps, five pressures in that game, the second highest graded player on D. He's he's still on IR. Bradley Chubb, 53 snaps, couple of pressures, a pass breakup, the third best graded player on D, traded. Slot corner K1 Williams played 49 snaps, got a sack off the edge, uh, the fourth best graded player in that game, he is out and considered week to week. Ronald Darby played 75 snaps in that game, only allowed one catch on 40 snaps in coverage. He's on IR. The safety Caden Stearns played 75 snaps. Now Simmons should be back, so that's a wash. But you have pretty much half of the defense it, you know, that was on the field in a game that the Raiders still had success. That's not going to be there this time around. And then on the other side of the ball, Vegas is not going to have to do a ton because – you know, Denver, Cortland Sutton is the player you have to worry about on that Bronco offense. And why is that the case? Because look who's out on this Denver offense. K.J. Hamler, 55-yard catch in that first game. He's out. Jerry Judy, ankle injury, iffy. Five targets, four catches, 53 and a touch in the first meeting. And then you look at the line. Your center, Cushenberry, on IR. He played 53 snaps and was their top-rated pass blocker in the first matchup. Your left tackle, Garrett Bowles, he was the second-best pass blocker in that game. He's on IR, broke his leg. Glasgow, who was playing right guard then, now he's the center replacing Cushenberry. He got hurt, and he's day-to-day with a shoulder issue. He's no guarantee to be 100%. Cam Fleming, your right tackle, is also day-to-day with a, with a quad. Your fullback, Andrew Beck, still hasn't practiced. You know, that, that's a guy that gives you some good blocking snaps. So... And either way, regardless of who plays or who doesn't, this offense, as you can see if you've watched any part of any Broncos game, cannot afford the lack of continuity. Like, they need the practice reps. They need guys to be in sync. 
together on that line because it's just not working. And, uh, you know, they wanted to try to go more hurry up. And uh, with all the injuries, that's going to really be hard because you need cohesion. If not, it's just going to be a bunch of penalties uh, and, uh, and, and quick three and out. So uh, yeah, Kendall they Hinton. They abandoned that quickly. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, like that was another one of those games where I I, I caught the uh, – didn't beat the close because, you know, it went all the way down to 36 and a half. I got it at 39, uh, 36 and a half on the pod. Still liked it, but went all the way back up to, I think, 39 and a half it got to because pretty much half of each defense was ruled out. And, you know, still Broncos couldn't score. So, uh, you know, this Raider team, I think you could take advantage of the Colts, what we saw from the Colts in, in multiple ways. Number one, you know, we actually saw something good, and you know, I think you can have confidence in them to cover the number against the Eagles. But I also think that now everyone's looking at the Raiders like, oh, it's doomsday. It's over for them. They're incapable of doing anything. They just lost to a, a joke in the Jeff Saturday Colts. This Bronco team, a lot more ravaged by injury than than you would think, you know, given the number. And I, I've even seen it, you know, hit three, a juiced up three at some spots. Uh, everyone's on the Broncos here just thinking this Raider team, you know, is a joke after losing to Saturday. But this team is just ravaged. Uh, I think it could get ugly for Denver. So even though I'm not getting the three, uh, I'm still taking the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, I uh, don't mind it. Uh, every Broncos game is the same. It's like a game in the teens, and they have the ball late, trying to score to take the lead. Uh, yeah, they're just that's, that's all. All my notes are about them being <laughs> decimated by injuries. Cars own the Broncos. I think the Raiders are nine and one against the spread. The last ten against the Broncos. The Raiders are ne- have now lost three games with a lead of at least seventeen points. They that is tied for the record in a season already for most losses that they're leading by seventeen or more points within a single season. Imagine if they. Won all those games. Broncos, by the way, they're they they're last in scoring on offense and first in first scoring in defense. On defense. Yep. Uh the last time any team finished last and first, 1946 Steelers. So we'll see if uh, nuts. Denver That's can just get nuts. There. But I'll more on this game later. Yeah. And uh I, I should also mention the we shouldn't shortchange the home field advantage for Denver. That that is something that's working in their favor, but given the situational spot. I actually think it's a good thing for the Raiders to get away from that home crowd that's going to just be completely ready to turn on them after that loss to Saturday. And that's what it's like for Denver right now. Exactly, exactly. So it, it kind of works in reverse. So that is going to do it for the Week 11 six-pack. Let's see, who do we got at quarterback? Got some some Dak Prescott, some Justin Herbert. You got some good guys this week, Dak. Herbert and uh, Davis Mills. I got Matty Ice, Kenny Pickett, and Derek Carr. So got Tomlin and got a, a, a guy, a high school coach. So we got the full run, the full gamut here. Uh, By the way, Nathaniel Hackett said someone's got to win this game. So that means it's going to end in a tie, which means you would cover. Yeah, they're, they're one, one of their wins this year is 11 to 10. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. So to recap, stuck. You got Dallas minus one and a half at Minnesota. The Chargers plus five and a half hosting the Chiefs and the Texans as a home dog. Three and a half against the Commanders. I got the Indianapolis Colts, six and a half 
point home dogs against Philly. The Steelers, four and a half point home dogs against Cincy. And the Vegas Raiders, plus two and a half at Denver. Now it's time for the week 11 coaches pep talk. Every time we get ready to play, I just want to throw up. So depressed, I don't even want to talk about it. I'm sick of watching you guys play. Just how bad can it get? This week's coaches pep talk comes to us from another real life coach. It's from Clemson coach Dabo Swinney. And let's dedicate this one to Matt LaFleur because the Packers got it done in OT, but if they hadn't, there would have been a lot of conversation about Aaron Rodgers just barking at him yet again, right in front of the cameras because he wanted to run the ball, which is pretty surprising. So, you know, have some fun out there, Matt. Cover for my boy Stucky this uh, this Thursday, and uh, we're dedicating this coach's prep talk to you. It's hard to win. I mean, if you can't have fun winning, why you do it? To win consistently is really, 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 really hard. I don't want our players to ever walk off a field ever with a win and, and the so-called feel like a loss. Wow, how sad is that? If it ain't fun to win, well, man, that's a sad state of affairs. I'm miserable when we lose. I ain't going to be miserable when we win. Uh, nobody's going to ever steal my joy. Joy comes from within. If it ever gets to where it's not fun to win, then you better do something else. All right, let's get into our favorite totals. I think we've had like eight in a row of these. It's been pretty nuts. Like I don't, It's like a, it's almost – I mean, of course, we're probably, we probably will jinx it now that we're talking about it, but it has been a good run. I think because I'm hitting my totals, I am – I think 14 and two over my last six, four six packs. Like if you include the total. Yeah. So, so uh, hopefully we can keep it going. Uh, I will start us off. I am going with Rams saints under 38 and a half. If you had the Rams under last week, that was just a brutal B at what? Seven seconds to go. Meaningless Van Jefferson touchdown. So I feel for you if you had that, but we're going we're hitting the Rams this week, and here's why. Both of these teams are already slow pace, naturally. The Saints are 27th in situation neutral pace, and the Rams are 28th. So you already expect a kind of shortened game just from that. And then this Rams team just keeps suffering offensive line injuries. And I'll, I'll get to Cooper Cup and, and that whole situation. But you know, Lark Jackson, who was actually playing well at tackle for them, is out. Brewer is out they might have to start Evans again in the interior and he's been just the worst in, in the games but either way this this Rams team just cannot get continuity on its offensive line and they cannot run block it, it, it's been a, a just a, a struggle all year and they can't protect Stafford either and remember he's in concussion protocol now he did practice Wednesday but still not cleared you, you can practice without being cleared so I, I still don't fully get this protocol but you can practice without being cleared. He's still not cleared. Uh, and even if he is with this offensive line, uh, you know, they might be conservative, but their backup Wolford also isn't practicing. So it could get weird uh, for this Rams team. And then you talk about Cooper Cup. And if there was one player that the Rams could not lose, even more so than Whit losing Whitworth, even more so than losing OBJ in the offseason. If there was one player the Rams cannot afford to lose, it is Cooper Cup. 31% of their scrimmage yards. 44% of their 
of their touchdowns this season have been accounted for by one Cooper Cup. It is a devastating loss when you couple that with the offensive line injuries and the fact that, you know, Stafford is, you know, I mean, he's at risk of another concussion, even if he suits up just the way this offensive line is protecting. And then on the other side of the ball, you have the Saints team. And I I'm starting to think this Andy Dalton offense is running its course. They got exposed a couple of weeks ago at home against the Ravens and they, they had been good at home previously. And then you know, they go to Pittsburgh and they don't score points again. I have no idea what this team is doing without Sean. They miss Sean Payton. I'll put it that way. But why do we, why do we like Pittsburgh last week? Because they can shut down the run. And we know the Saints offense, if they're going to get going, they're not just going to throw it all around the yard. Dalton's going to get the ball out quick. Hopefully Olave stops taking these wicked hits because I, I, I don't know how he's taking so many disgusting hits this year already, but uh, great player. Love to see it. But outside of Olave and Kamara, who they can't even get going consistently uh, from week to week, this offense is a crapshoot, but they want to run the ball and the Rams defend the run very well. They are fourth in DVOA against the run. 21st against the pass, they'll they'll give up some easy completions, but you're going to have to drive the field against this Rams team because the whole point of their defense is to limit explosive plays. And they've been able, for the most part, to do that, even though they rank 21st in pass DVOA, which isn't a big deal against the Saints, but the Rams first in explosive rush rate on defense and first in explosive pass rate on defense. So, the one thing the Rams do is prevent big plays, and the Saints are not making a ton of them either. Rams, Saints, under 38 and a half. Uh, if you can get the 39, uh, I think it should be still out there. Uh, but I, I like this. I think this is a, a, a high 20s type of game, so I'm not too worried about the uh, the number here. Don't hate this at all. I mean, the Rams, 28.8% rush success rate. On the season. That's lowest in the NFL. The next lowest, the Seahawks at 35. 28.8%. I thought it was Cam Akers Achilles, but everyone's just running like they have a torn Achilles when, when you're on this Rams, in this Rams yeah, back. They can't, they can't protect. Stafford is, is a pumpkin and probably not fully healthy. And now they don't have a cup. I don't know how they move the ball at all. That's what fucked me up. And you, you know, I, I give you credit. You were correct on, uh, on the Bucks, but that's what fucked me up. With uh, my handicap of the Bucks Seahawks game, because I watched the Bucks struggle against the Rams for sixty minutes, and I was like, "Oh no, this no, no way!" Because this Rams team is bad. Yep. Um, all right, for my total, I'm gonna go. We're gonna get scary. I'm gonna go with the Bears Falcons oh, under forty nine and a half. So I like this for a couple of reasons, not for the defenses. Now, the one good thing is that the, their pass defenses are real bad. Both these pass defenses worse than their rush offense, rush defenses. But you're you're going against pass offenses that aren't going to kill you. I just think that this number is too high. And, uh, you know, I make this like 47, 47 and a half. I know the Bears, and I've been saying Bears are a pure over team. But this yep. is like a service academy game. Like this is two pure running slow teams. If you're not firing on all cylinders within the red zone, like it's going to be tough to get into the 50s in this game because the clock is going to be speeding. Also, the run defenses haven't been great, but both of these teams play a ton of zone. They fared okay when, you know, I was going back and looking at their stats against running quarterbacks. They also don't get a ton of pressure. They don't blitz. 
So like, I think that they're just going to, you know, you can stay home and kind of try to contain fields, try to stay home. Like so much of what fields does, like he gets pressure and everything breaks down and he's gone around the edge. So yeah, both of these teams practice against mobile quarterbacks. It's just slow teams, not great passing offenses, a lot of running. I think it's going to be difficult to get above this number. I'm, I don't hate it. I'm actually thinking of backing the Bears if they get a, up over a field goal here. I, I just think this Falcons team is, is coming back down to earth, especially on offense. You know, they were the darlings of the week. They were covering. It's like, oh, Arthur Smith, he's making it work. With Mariota, they got all these weapons. And now it's just you're, you're seeing Mariota's true colors, which tends to happen with, you know, you, you called it with Cooper Rush. When you have these backup caliber quarterbacks, as the year goes on and teams get more and more tape and you take more and more reps, more and more reps under pressure, it just goes downhill. And I think we're in the midst of that with this Falcons offense and Mariota. So I know the Bears defense has been bad over these last few weeks. I mean, most of the season, but especially over these last few weeks. But don't forget, Miami's doing that to everybody. Detroit can put up points with the best of them. What I'm saying is they haven't faced slouches on offense and if you saw Marcus Mariota play against that Panther D last week, which is an exploitable defense. I mean, the Bengals put up 42 the game before, and the, old, the Falcons themselves put up over 30 uh, against them. So should have been an exploitable defense, and he could do absolutely nothing against them. So uh, I think it's I think it's going to continue to trend down. But if it doesn't, it's going to be because, like you said, they're just running and running and running. And uh, I don't know what's going on, why they're not using Patterson more. It seems like they – could absolutely stand to give him a few more touches, but uh, maybe off the bye they will. But either way, yeah, I think should be a run heavy game script. The Bears still, you know, even with this new explosive offense, they still run a ton. Like it's still throwing the ball under thirty times a game. Yeah, yeah, and no, no, uh, Khalil Herbert, which takes away some, yeah, uh, explosiveness as well, and kind of your change of pace back. Uh, he's, he's got more carries than Montgomery in that last game, so he was more than yeah. a change of pace. He was kind of taking over that backfield. Yeah, I, and he, I think he has a lot more explosiveness. So he does uh, he's he's one of the best guys at yards after contact in the entire league. Like in my model, I, if I give Montgomery and Herbert the same amount of carries, like let's say I give them both ten carries, Herbert will come out like five to seven yards better, which is ridiculous for yeah. you know. There's a lot of regression seven involved. Yards, yeah, yeah. So yeah. All right. So to recap. I got Saints Rams under thirty eight and a half. Uh, I'd take that down to. 36 and a half. I mean, I, I just don't see many points happening in this one. And Stuck has Bears, Falcons under 49 and a half. What would you take it down to? Uh, 49 and a half. I would take it down to 48 and a half, maybe 48 if you have to. All right, now let's jump into our favorite teasers of the week. Oh, yeah. Six point teasers. If you don't want me to. All right, Stuck, uh, what are you doing this week? We'll do two here. We're, we're going to go to Raiders up over eight, which I talked about before. Low-scoring game. Every Broncos game is the same script. I literally joke about it every single Sunday. I tweet, send a tweet, and it's just a replay every week. But happy to take eight and a half there. And then let's seize the Bills down to blow a field goal. We've lost two straight. 
Uh, I think, you know, there might be some heavy winds here and some snow. Allen, as he showed last week, um, last year, I should say, and his arm looked fine, good enough last week, but last year in like 35-hour wins, he was still firing the ball over. So I think that his legs, too, will be important here. I do worry a bit about the Bra- the Bills' run defense against yeah. the Browns, um, but I think that the Bills will find a way to win this game. By the way, for speaking of potential totals, Snover. So people I always do about Snovers. This could be a lot of snow, and I always snow, – snow games in the NFL, the over is hit. 70% of the time historically. Now that's if you remove wind, 15%, 15 mile an hour winds or above. Just going back to 1970. What is a snover? People are like, should we buy, bet the over now? No, 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 no. First of all, you don't know if it's going to be a snover until about an hour or two before kick. And the reason is, is you have to check the wind because the wind is too high. Then it's just going to negate any advantage that you can get with the sun. I'll get into that in a second. Number two, you have to wait till the total bottoms out. Everyone wants to bet the under in these games. You're already seeing tweets, 90% of bets. Ever, the biggest bet of the weekend is the under. Everyone's tweeting about it, even casual non-betters. Under, under, under is going to be a blizzard. And you also have to make sure that the snow isn't too much. Like you can't have two feet. You can't have a foot with like a blizzard because then no one can see, no one can move. And everyone plays so slow because you just, you're drying off the ball and you're dry, like drying off your hands. You know, one can talk, communicate. The game grinds to a halt. But if it's not too bad and there's like snow on the ground and it's snowing a little bit, the best game, best example, this is when Brady threw like eight touchdowns. They, I think they beat the Titans like fifth or the, it was the, it was like 58 to seven or something like that. I remember that game. Yeah. yeah. Something. Uh, the offense has, and he's he talked about this on that uh, documentary with Charles Woodson. He said he pointed in that snow game with the Raiders and said, "This the offense has such a big advantage here. They know where they're going. Cutting, you know, you think about Lashawn McCoy, like one of the best cutting backs of all time. There was games with him, him in the snow. Bro, I was just rewatching that game, the snow game, them versus the no. Lions, uh, when McCoy just went absolutely, absolutely bonkers. Pure defender." Like you, you don't know. First of all, there's a cornerback. You don't know where the receiver's going. You have no footing. Running back cuts on you. You're you're lost. It's and at the the advantage of knowing where you're going on offense is massive if the conditions are right. And by the way, in this game, also like Nick Chubb cutting and running in in the right conditions, and this and the wind. You know the Browns should run wild, and the wind won't really affect Allen. Those receivers will get open. He'll get them the ball. Um, so yeah, I th- and you just want to wait till the total bottoms out, and like that's when we'll hit the snowber. So I can't. I would have. It would have been my total. If, like the game started in two hours, I could see the conditions. But that's the that's the formula for the snowber. You got to make sure the wind isn't too bad. All that. I don't think it's that big of a factor in this game. You also have to make sure it's not too much snow and the conditions aren't where you can't see and it's just a complete blizzard because then everything grinds to a halt. No one can move. Not even the, the offensive players are so slow. You need like the perfect. They're not necessarily the perfect, but pretty good conditions, um, like certain conditions, I should say, for the snowbird. So wait, follow on the action app. Let's say you have a total. Let's say 43 is the, the real total absent of any weather in this game. Now, let's say there is going to be like non-snover snow, like actually uh, hindering snow. How much are you adjusting your number? A- AKA, how should people know, you know, if they are looking to bet an under, how much is too much 
to, to go. It's it's all manual. There's not like a formula. The sample size isn't great. It depends on the matchup, what the teams want to do. It depends where the total sits, how much it has come down. But I will tell you, like, if there's like a, you know, 18 inches of snow, and they'll try to clear it beforehand, but it's just coming down nonstop and you can't see anything and there's wind, that means like, and, the, you know, the ball is getting clumped with snow and you, you can't, you know, you can't really move that much. There, there are certain times, it's very rare. Like you think about that McCoy game, there's a lot of snow on the ground still. You can, NFL players can still get around. But if it was, you know, if it's real bad, the you know, you might see one of these games every couple of years. Then, you know, I would drop this total to like 37 and a half in the extreme of extreme conditions, which rarely happens. Like the NFL field management is good. Like you have to have it being like, peak blizzard at the while the game's going on with a lot of wins but if because if that occurs then no one can communicate no one can move and it takes forever to, like everyone is now snapping the ball one second on the game clock every time everyone's just loading the box and then just running into each other like the games you know without turnovers that the game would end like this game would end like in most nfl games we end like 17 13 without like turnovers yeah and the kicking, you know, they might can't forego kick. they might forego yeah. field goal attempts. I remember the yeah. Browns played a game, I think it no, was a year ago. The Bills game without win last year. That wasn't even snow. They they wouldn't even. Yeah, that was just win. Yeah, and I remember the Browns had it one a couple of years ago. I think it was against the Raiders where it was like eleven seven or some some crazy low number. So yeah, you you just see a, you can the way you can kind of do it mathematically is there is research out there that looks at completion percentage, yards per attempt, all the stats in snow. And then you could kind of apply that to a points, you know, EPA model or something like that. But yeah, it, it would definitely drop in in the in bad conditions, like a touchdown or, or so. So just yeah, wanted it's to tough. it's not it's more art than science, I think. Yeah. And it's also really fun, I'll tell you that, to bet. For my teaser, I'm going with the Raiders as well. There's just not many options to tease up over, you know, eight in this one so in, on the slate so i'm going raiders I already talked about why i like them outright on the spread also gonna go with the vikings up to seven and a half here uh, just because you kind of mentioned it they've been in one possession games all season long so i think dallas is the right side but not expecting minnesota to go in here and get blown out necessarily just based on the way right. they're playing they always find a way to stick around all right so Bills minus to minus one, Raiders up to eight and a half for stuck. Raiders up to eight and a half, and Vikings up to seven and a half for me. Now it's time for our money line underdog parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the money line parlay. Oh, I finally got one, but uh, unfortunately, your hot streak cooled off. So yeah, I've lost two straight. Who did I have last week? Denver. <laughs> oh God, the fucking Titans! I've actually won four bets against the Titans in a row. So all the people that say the Titans and they've covered seven straight, it's all been in teasers, totals. So this is the first time that I'm since early in the year I'm going back against them with the Packers. So we'll see. Money line dog this week. Uh, let's. I'm just gonna go with the the Lions here. Giants outplayed again last week against the Texans. They can't keep this up. They're 7-0 and in one-possession games. That's all seven of their wins. Campbell finally won a road game. I know Goff's a pumpkin outdoors, but this Giants team's banged up, and Lions 
are actually like if you look like DVOA, they're higher than the Giants. Their defense is actually is improving a little bit. Their offense is healthy. They should be able to move the ball a little bit. And uh, yeah, Giants have the Cowboys on Thursday. Like maybe they get caught looking ahead. Like all well, the vibes are good with the Giants to keep winning these games, but they're eventually not going to get every break. Uh, so let's take a shot with the Lions here. Hello, Detroit. You've won my heart. Yeah, Detroit showed some. I thought that game was over. The next thing I know, I look up and they're just they just won. Like I think it was a missed uh, PAT. It was a pick six too, and a missed. Yeah, a missed yeah, PAT. yeah. Uh, I'm going back. I'm going to the Bears this week. Let's go Bears at the Falcons. The Bears keep losing these heartbreakers, but this, you know, more design runs for fields. I think it's opened up the offense. Uh, Maybe they get Quaypool more involved this week, but either way, I think the Bears have played better than, you know, the Owen, what is it, Owen three over the last three week record looks. Remember, they did have that impressive win in Foxborough against the Patriots. So I think they could absolutely steal one here on the road against this Falcon team. And I don't mind betting against Marcus Mariota at all, seeing what I saw out of him. Maybe we even get some uh, a mid-game benching and we get some Ritter. So either way, I think the Bears give you some nice uh, some nice upside here. So, so if you parlay the Lions plus 132 at the Giants and the Bears plus 140 at the Falcons. You get a payout of just over four and a half X. So 100 gets you back 550. So hopefully we can be on the right side at the same time and hit another one of these parlays. Now it's time for the best of the rest games we haven't covered in any other segment, but are still, as they say, meaningful to some. That's going to be a touchdown, but that may be meaningful to some of you. And you know who I mean. I got a couple games that we didn't talk about. First up, the Carolina Panthers going to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Ravens a 13-point favorite. The total is 41 and a half. What are your thoughts on this one? And what is the other game we didn't talk about? Jets passed. So Jets at Patriots. Yeah, so I'll talk about these these games together because I'm actually – going to pair them together. I, I think the Ravens are a great money line parlay piece this week. I don't think that they're at any risk of losing this game. It is the NFL. They could lose. Look at things happen. But um, I make them 13. Defense is only trending up, uh, getting healthier now, added Roquan Smith. They're also coming off of a bye. Panthers off of a mini bye. Historically, Harbaugh's been really good there. Same with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson 7-2 against the spread off a bye. Under Harbaugh, covered by 8.5 points per game. They also know Mayfield really well. Baker Mayfield's been awful. He's going to start here. Uh, Harbaugh's covered five in a row against Mayfield. They know his tendencies, and I just don't think that Carolina can really test this Ravens defense, and the Ravens will do enough on offense to get this cover. So money, I'm going to money line the Ravens, and I'm going to par- do a money line parlay with uh, the Patriots. I don't trust the Patriots to lay three here, even three. This game with a total of like 37, 38, where points will be hard to come by but I do think the Patriots get it done. I think from a bi-week perspective, obviously having Bill Belichick able to draw up defensive schemes for Zach Wilson and a Jets offense that really can't run the ball now without Brees Hall, it's not going to end well for Zach Wilson. The Patriots actually lead the league in pressure rate. Yep, Wilson under pressure, 11-52 of for 158 yards 
one touchdown, five interceptions, a 14.5% turnover-worthy play percentage. I think the next worst is like 11. Uh, He's three yards per attempt on 52 attempts under pressure. So he's going to be under pressure all day. It's not going to end well. I also think Mac Jones can really benefit from the bye here. You know, he was trying to come back from injury, a little rusty. So I think getting him more reps. Look, the Jets' defense is legit. They're also able to get pressure. Mac Jones also hasn't been great under pressure. It's not a great receiving core, but I think they'll be able to do enough on the ground, throwing to their backs like they did in the first game. And, uh, yeah, Zach Wilson's going to lose this game, and the Belichick dominance over the Jets will continue. I think the last time the Jets have beat the Pats was with Fitzpatrick uh, eight years ago. Uh, So I'm going to parlay the Patriots' money line with the Ravens' money line because I don't want any, I don't trust any of these teams that Jets in the Jets Patriots game. Yeah, I don't trust the Patriots to win by more than a field goal, but I think they find a way to get it done. Mm, that's oof. I I think that game goes could go either way. I mean, that 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 uh, I think the Jets have as good of a chance as they've ever had uh, of knocking off the Patriots. Guy, it's it's hard for me to get a feel of this matchup because in that first meeting, which was Week Eight, yeah, Week Eight, I thought. The same thing. I thought Zach Wilson would have no success, but he threw for like over 300 yards. He had a few big plays to Garrett Wilson, who got over 100 yards. Conklin went off. I know the Patriots had one of their backup safeties, so maybe that won't happen again. But just it's tough for me to get a feel. I just this Jets defense is so talented that you know, like Mac. I don't trust Mac Jones. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like Mac Jones, his numbers aren't as bad. Zach Wilson. No, I don't. But it's it's football. Either one of them could make a play that ends up losing to the game. So, yeah, that, I, I just think it's more of a coin flip. I'm not as confident uh, in the Patriots in this spot as you are. Yeah, I mean, look, Wilson went – he went uh, Mims for 63, Smith for 23, and Conklin for, like, 19 in the final minute down two touchdowns for 90 yards of the of those passing yards against pre-dead defense. So – and that was a touchdown in 90 yards – so if you remove that drive against prevent defense in a meaningless drive, he was sub 50% completion rate, 245 yards passing, one touchdown, three picks, some horrific picks. And I just think the pressure is going to be the difference. Yeah, Jets without Brees Hall, it's just not, they just aren't, aren't going to be able to run, which is what you need to do against this Patriots defense. Establish the run. The Jets in the first meeting averaged, what, three and a half, three point four 3.4 yards per carry. It's just, they're missing the juice of Hall, and they have some offensive line injuries as well. The Jets are feisty, so they'll, they'll put up a fight here, but I think the Patriots will get it done. Yeah, it is hard for me to get a feel about. You know, I was pretty confident in them. It kind of reminds me of that game against the Bears where it seemed like a really good teaser piece, money line parlay spot, and then the Bears just go in there and just take care of business. I just – it's tough for me. Like, there's nothing I can really hang my hat on with the Patriots, even though they are a good defense, they do get pressure – they can run the ball with Stevenson. Uh, it just game to game. I just, I don't know. I just, just one of those teams haven't really been betting on or against them too much more. So just, uh, just taking their unders, <laughs> but this one is uh, with, with, with the bye weeks, I'd, I'd stay away from the unders. I think, you know, the Patriots, they could scheme up some things and, you know, maybe you see a trick player, flea flicker or something that catches the jets off guard. And who knows, maybe the jets try to do the same to get around Wilson. That is going to wrap it up for this week's pod presented by FanDuel. 
Be sure to follow Stucky on the Action Network app at Stucky2. You can find me at Chris Raybon, and you can find us at those same handles on Twitter as well, actionnetwork.com, for all of our betting content. And uh, we'll be back early next week for the uh, Thanksgiving slate. So until then, let's get this money. Go back up.